0: Oh tap. Peace and blessings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of the Fruits of Life podcast. I am your host, Omega Fruits, and I am really excited about today's episode. At the beginning of practically every one of my episodes, I state that I have something special in store for you. And guess what? Today's just another one of those days. I am joined by one of my good friends who actually introduced me to my first acro yoga experience years ago. I can't imagine, I can't even believe how time has passed. He is from IT and is a fellow comedic Yoga instructor. We are going to disrupt the idea that yoga is for white women and prove that real men do yoga as we discuss wellness, mental health, and spiritual wealth. I am very excited about the powerful jewels that we will be sharing today. So I thank you for tuning in and vibing with us today. I hope you have your bag, your backpack, knapsack, paper bag, or even your pocket to pick up the fruits of life we will be dropping today. If you would like to share with me any takeaways that blow you away or anything that has helped you along your way, leave me a message at anchor.fm slash fruits of life. That's anchor.fm slash fruits of life. You can listen to all of my episodes at the same location. The link will be down below. The background music you are hearing is another prod by Insanity beat by my son, Elijah. He has produced instrumental hip hop and instrumental R&B beats. So if you're looking for something to rock with your lyrics, hit me up. Last week I introduced one of his beats and I said it was what is it Insanity beats with an S and he corrected me he's like mom you got it all wrong it's Prod by Insanity so let me know what you feel about this beat and if you want to rock with it link me and link him also at Prod by Insanity. On YouTube. So let's go ahead and jump right in and introduce you to Steven Russo. He's a top tier NYC fitness professional and a one stop shop. This is one thing I really, really appreciate about this brother. He's a personal trainer, a holistic nutritionist, and a certified comedic yoga instructor, as I mentioned. Born and raised in NYC, and he has over 12 years of experience and a client list filled with celebrities and socialites he has so much to share with you today based on his background his experiences as a traveling yogi and his interest in egyptian philosophy ancient knowledge spirituality as well as maintaining a lifestyle as a vegan there's just so much to share let me tell you so let's go ahead and jump right in thank you brother peace and blessings welcome to the show Uh,
1: thank you for having me thank you for having me i glad to finally connect with you.
0: This episode is like it's like an opportunity for me to go deeper with you in terms of your experiences mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. also share with the people the powerful and beautiful things that you're doing. I mean, it's yeah. just going to be great all along, all around. Um, So let us, you know, kind of lay down a foundation. When I did a little homework on you, I learned Mm -hmm. that you got your advanced black belt as a 13 year old. I was like, whoa. okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, throughout high school, you were all into the athletics from Mm -hmm. from football, from um, weightlifting, track and field. And honestly, that's like not my world. I kind of feel like my youngest son is going to kind of move in that direction. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it wasn't my thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yeah. most exercise I did in high school was like dancing at the club. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> tell me, like, what led you along that direction to focus on sports so young and to be so disciplined? It really starts. It all started with my mother just wanted to keep me out of the street. You know,
1: um, at the time growing up in, in Brooklyn, in the area of Brooklyn Flatbush, it was a lot of gang activities was a lot of violence going on. And it was very easy for a young black man to get influenced by, you know, the drug dealers, the flashy cars, the, you know, kids, you know, out and about and being rebellious. So she wanted me to get involved with something that was going to keep me grounded. But also... Um, something that was going to help me defend myself if I ever encountered any of those dangers and any of the, those type of energy. So at seven years old, she enrolled me in in uh in karate, in martial arts, um, and it was a karate dojo not too far from where I live. Uh, so and I would go there every day after school. Um, and, uh, it, it really was my first experience in being disciplined. Um, my first experience with meditation. So the first time I ever meditated was around seven, eight years old. And we were meditating mm-hmm. class and we worked on also, um, just mindfulness stuff, mind over matter, you know, and, and really knowing how to, use your mind over your fist but knowing that you have those weapons too if things get to an extreme and all that just kept me really grounded in the environment that i was in um Mm -hmm. i was so focused on my practice that like the gang stuff and all that stuff didn't really you know didn't really phase me because you know i wanted to just get better and better in my practice and martial arts and that was I was really going hard with it from about 7 to 14, 15 years old. Um, and then when I got to high school, that's when I added football to all this. And football really also now adding on to the discipline, the discipline I already have for martial arts. Going into football now, it taught me about uh camaraderie and, you know, building with folks and working with other people And um, and learning to how to channel that force, that anger, that aggression, learning how to channel that in a particular environment, you know, if I was dealing with a lot of frustration and, you know, dealing with a lot of stress, because, you know, high school kids, man, they they go through a lot mentally and, you know, a lot of peer pressure and all that. So playing football was a way, you know, was was a second place for me it was like it was like my second dojo right and it was a place for me to really let all that aggression let all that emotional baggage I had it just I you know it it was a great place for me to just let it out and let it go and again it kept me out of the streets it kept me away from trouble because you know after high school I had football practice and You know, I'll go home. I didn't have time to be out there in the streets. You know, I wanted to go home, shower, eat, and sleep, and that was it. Right,
0: Um, right.
1: And and you know, playing high school, playing football throughout high school. I still dabbled in my martial arts practice, uh, but little by little, I started to just you know fade away from the martial arts practice and focus on the athletics and. Also, while playing football, I ran track and field. So, that was just a whole nother uh, form of discipline of like conditioning my body, you know, challenging it, pushing it to see how if I could get faster, if I could be quicker. So, you know, all this created a foundation for me as I started to transition into adulthood and got into my career as a uh, personal trainer and then later on a yoga instructor. You know, so but yeah, I see
0: that it yeah. all started
1: with Mom dudes and yeah, and my dad out. of course, yeah, my True. pops too. He he, because he he was the one who told my mom to put me in martial arts because he did martial arts when he was young, but he didn't go all the way. He think mm. I think he went to like yellow belt <laughs> or something, but you know, for me, I just got into it, especially, and spiritually too, really like connected with me, so. Doing that and, like, you know, being black belt at 13 years old and hmm. taking classes and sparring with, like, grown adults and there, it, it really, um, again, it really, like, grounded me and gave me a good foundation to really build more on and that I'm still building on that today. So.
0: Truly. Uh, uh, experience that builds your confidence very young mm-hmm. as well. That's awesome. Shout out to the family. Yeah, mom, mm-hmm. dukes. <laughs> That's, That's great. You got trained and certified mm-hmm. through NASM as a personal fitness mm-hmm. instructor. How has your personal training and teaching evolved over time since you've been certified through NASM. Yeah. When I first got certified, I
1: was, it was all about, at the time, the fitness industry, it was all about weights and strength training. And then NASM was one of the first certifications that really dived deeper into the body in terms of correcting posture and alignment. You know, so this is where I started to understand the, the importance of alignment in the body and how it can help other limbs, other muscles, to and other just other areas of your body to function properly, you know. And so I started to transition from just weight training to doing more like physical therapy-based uh, workouts and training to now combining those two but instead of the strength training involving a whole lot of weights everything is dealing with the body weight because with my clients when I work with them before I add weights or do anything with other equipment I want to see and I want to know how well they can work with their own body weight the body weight that they move every single day body weight that they're walking in that they go upstairs that they're laying in bed with is like okay how well can you maneuver your own weight you know just doing a simple push up just doing a simple jump squat all these things that are considered functional and learning how to utilize your own body to strengthen yourself is a great way to build your foundation on top of that and then focusing on alignment and correcting things, preventing injuries. Folks do get injured in daily activities. And you never know, you go down the stairs the wrong way, your ankle roll a funny right. way. Now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what can we do to strengthen that ankle and to prevent um, any mishaps? So, you know, we're doing balanced stuff, we're doing alignment things. I mean, that's how it is, uh, the training has evolved in the past mm-hmm. 13 years. And my training has evolved based on how the industry has has changed, you know. Industry went from bodybuilding focused to more like physical therapy, creating more longevity for people and not just short-term goals. Now everything is about long-term goals.
0: Yeah, I definitely see that. I see a whole lot of folks focusing on functional uh, Mm -hmm. work therapy mm-hmm. or what have you. Yeah. So that's great. Do you think you will move further in that direction? Uh, That's always going to be
1: corrective exercise stuff is always going to be a part of my work. Because, you know, I went to the college. Uh, I went to school for physical therapist assistant. So I, that was very much a part of my education. And, you know, going and uh, ended Hofstra for a little bit and I study physical education, fitness, and as well as the corrective exercise stuff. That's always gonna be a part of my work. And going diving deeper into it is just is just studying more, understanding the body more, working with different populations. Because I've worked with athletes, but I've worked with people with MS. So, you know, I have I've worked with a wide range of people from young children to Prenatal and postnatal uh, senior citizens, people with sports injury, pe- people with, again, people with like MS, people who are doing physical therapy. So I'll do like, you know, a second physical therapy session with them. So yeah, that's that's, that's how much has it evolved. And, you know, right now it's a matter of just staying consistent with that. Cause, you know, if it, ain't, if it ain't broke, you don't really need to fix it. You know? <laughs> If we're just yeah. focusing on the the body and connecting the brain to the body and all that, and that's where now we're about to bring in the yoga and the mindfulness mm-hmm. aspect. Of
0: it. Right, right. Okay. So now, what is your preferred form of fitness to teach or wellness or movement? Is it yoga?
1: Um, it's a combination of everything. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so I like to do body weight exercise and depending on how comfortable a person is with alignment and just moving their own body weight. I'll add like weight training and stuff. Uh, calisthenics, you know, the basics, the push-ups, the squats, the pull-ups, the dips, those, you know, the foundational stuff, um, real nuts and bolts, nitty gritty things. I mean, those always gets results. And those are always really helpful and functional for the body. Um, but, you know, with the yoga, uh, you know, it all, it's all based on what the client is looking for in the yoga practice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they're looking for something more of a faster flow just to get the heart rate up, you know, we'll go into that, but still always focus on the breathing. So if the flow is fast, we focus on the breathing. If the flow is a little slower and more intentional and slower we still focus on the breathing because at the at the end of the day the breath is the is the foundation for all that you know the breath brings in oxygen it brings in life so i always um make sure my clients are focused on that uh in Mm -hmm. our sessions whether it's fitness whether it's yoga so um preferred is based on i can't always make that decision for them it's based on What is their goals? And then I'll say, okay, this is what I think. And then we meet in the middle and find a way to come up with a program that caters to their wants as well as their needs. True.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a good trainer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because they know their bodies, you know, they know their bodies and they know what they want, you know, but you know, you also, you got to make sure you put in your professional input and, Make sure you give them their needs and explain the why is it that you need to do this.
0: Yeah. So are your clients mostly men or women? Throughout my oh. career, it's been predominantly women. Women
1: are <laughs> a lot more mindful of their health. Women are a lot more mindful of their bodies, not only because of the changes that are going through their bodies, but unfortunately, is the pressure that society puts on them to have a particular look i'm not one of those trainers who think like you got to have you know if you have a flat stomach you you're healthy you're a healthy looking person for me it's like i want to help what's going on internally how can we shift that because once you shift that the outside changes you know organically on its own talking about you want a flat stomach but you eat Popeye's chicken sandwiches all day long so it's like (laughs) what can we change that and that's where now the holistic nutrition comes in because it's like okay why do you like the the chicken sandwiches you know um what is it about chicken sandwiches what it does for you what it stimulates you on a psychological level and why you feel the need you need to have something like that why you need to put this junk in your body and then I also ask him, why do you think you need a flat stomach or a bigger mm-hmm. butt or whatnot? You know, I, you know, for me, I got to know, too, what's going on with you psychologically before we can put together an app program and, and all yeah. that. So because with holistic nutrition, it's about understanding the psyche of a mm-hmm. person and their lifestyle. It's not so much putting together a diet plan. It's not so much putting together a meal plan. In order to put together or at least assist in putting together a meal plan, you have to understand Mm -hmm. the you have to put together a mind plan, if that makes sense. You know, you got to understand the person before you can get, you know, into the nutritional aspect of
0: it. Yeah, definitely, because we do have a psychological and emotional connection to food, Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: an addiction even to food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of governs our habits oftentimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so do most women just as a side note, do most women that come to you say, Okay, well I want a flat stomach, I want abs and a big butt? I mean, is that what they're looking for usually? <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, you can yeah.
1: get that. I mean, you know, uh the well the sisters will ask for the bigger butt or more shapely <laughs> uh, right. backside. Um right. But then, like, we'll do something like a lunge, and then I find out, like, oh, wait, your hips are tight. Okay, now we got to open up your hips. We got to open up. So mm-hmm. it's like, I was like, wait a minute. Maybe the stomach is protruding out because your posture has been all messed up. But if you lift the chest straight out your spine, then you see, you know, okay, the stomach looks flatter. You're thinking, oh, I'm losing weight there. When it's A lot of times, it's like it's our alignment, how we, it's our posture and, just how we um carry ourselves that our bodies go through the changes that it does. Uh so yeah. um and with the men that I train, a lot of a lot of the men tend to be about forty forty and up. So I don't really get too okay. many men in their twenties or thirties, but it's mostly forty and up. And most of the men it's never like I wanna get bigger I want to, I want to lift more weights. I want to get stronger. Uh, With men, it's always like, man, I got this issue. I got diabetes. I got this and that. I need to get better. Mm. And some guys, they just want to maintain their athleticism. They just want to keep their bodies moving, you know, because a lot of these, a lot of the men I, I work with, they work at desk jobs and they, you know, and, uh, they they're not happy with the changes that are going on with their bodies. You know they they can't simply yeah. bend over and grab something from the floor because their back and their hamstrings are so tight. So you know right. with the yeah. men, it's for them it's a lifestyle thing. You know, but that's because again society doesn't pressure men as much as women to change physically. You know what I'm saying. Is, mm-hmm. They pressure them in some ways, but not as women get pressured. Not as much. a whole lot more yeah. than men do. Right? Know.
0: Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Women get I think men it's it's more like they want to appear a certain way. It's not because of person of outside pressure, but their own yeah, pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And try but to women, prove something. yeah, we definitely get yeah. that. So but I, yeah, I try yeah. to let
1: the women know, like, look, man, just if you focus on just the real stuff like your health, like, you know, yeah. if you focus on the the things that help you live longer and be able to still play with your kids and your grandkids, you know, um, and still be able to, you know, go to the club like you used to do in high school and dance, you know, it's like, you got to (laughs) work on those things first before we can start working on flattening out your stomach. And then, of course, you know, the lifestyle, the, you know, the choices that you make with your, with the things they put in their body, so... Those are all like things right, that right. I, I I take in consideration first, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, the body does change. I keep hearing oftentimes the body changes mm-hmm. so much after forty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, something about the number. <laughs> and you
1: know, for My husband says it all the time. Sometimes though, with with <laughs> yeah. uh with athletes, it it, it depends on their sport. It changes prior to that, you know
0: earlier so, yeah. yeah
1: you know once you stop playing yeah. you're like damn my you know my knees you know they they ache a mm. little more but back and you're like in you know in your 30s and you're seeing these things yeah. so yeah it's all it's all based on the lifestyle too but the age does yeah. play a role in that so.
0: yeah yeah i could definitely see that when you're used to moving so mm-hmm. much then you stop it's like an atrophy mm-hmm. your muscles mm-hmm. begin to atrophy Indeed. yeah and it limits mobility yep. I could totally see that. Well, I definitely appreciate how you go into the wellness, psychological mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. and then address the physical. That That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so now moving into your yoga practice, yeah. like this is like where, you know, I'm kind of I'm going to like live through you because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely um, appreciate the stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what initially brought you to yoga in the first
1: place. Um, so it's an interesting story. Um, I actually got into yoga, uh, by accident. Um, it oh. was like, it was, um, I was working, I was like maybe like 18 years old and I was working at mm-hmm. this gym in, in, uh, my neighborhood. And, um, I was like walking the floor and then You know doing like floor training which is basically you like pick up equipment and you clean it up and you spot people on benches and all that as well as train people so when i was on my break i i would work out on my break uh oh no when my shift ended as you know i would go into my workout and i usually at the end of my workout do a a ad class right and uh Mm -hmm. i walked into the studio and I would put my mat down and I thought it was an ab class and I was looking around. I was like, this don't look like the same people that usually come to the ab class and that don't look like the instructor. And I said, is this an ab class? And she was like, no, this is yoga. Oh, I was like, oh, my bad. Mm-hmm. So I took the mat and I was going to walk out and go just do abs on my own. And the woman, she's uh, she was Bayesian. And she said, Mm -hmm. uh, in her accent, she was like, no, 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 stay, stay. You look like you need it. And I took that as a challenge. I was like, excuse me? You know, she says, I don't know. Them shoulders look kind of (laughs) rounded forward. You know, you're looking kind of stiff there. I was like, I was like, what? I have great flexibility. So I did the class. I said, you know what? I'll stay. Uh I'll do the class. I'll do your little yoga class. And (laughs) I I remember she sat us down and was, you know, did her introduction of herself. And I remember one of the things she said to me that stuck, that still, you know, sticks with me today was that she said, okay, I know some of you guys are new to yoga practice. And a lot of you have heard, okay, yoga comes from India, but I will let you know here that yoga comes from Africa. Okay. Mm -hmm. so don't think that you're doing Mm -hmm. somebody else's practice it's just very much your practice as well as theirs so and then we Mm -hmm. started the class and she you know didn't play your typical like yoga music you know she was playing like calypso and old school soca music while we was doing the class and it wasn't a particular style it was a mixture of everything um of like okay. vinyasa and, and hatha and astanga and she would do some Man. kundalini breathing exercise she didn't look like your commercial mainstream yoga teacher that you see today and on instagram and stuff she was mm. maybe in her late 30s at the time she wore these big sweatpants a hoodie <laughs> and a bandana on her head
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: that was it. But <laughs> she was she used to be able to do all these great things with her body that I was so impressed with. Like the tiny little lady with these sweat clothes on was easily doing headstands and scorpion and mm. splits and all this stuff. And I'm like, how she could do all that? Like, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I just got hooked. This was like back in mm. maybe 2006. You know, I did it and I got mm. hooked to it and I would used to do it every single day. And I'll always okay. do it after I lift weights. I will always do my yoga class and that would be my stretch after lifting weights. And I started showing, seeing a difference in my body. Muscles were a lot more leaner and and my posture was like really good, you know, was, was much better. Um My breathing was really good and I always had... Great breathing, especially when I used to swim competitively. Like I, you know, we had to hold our breath underwater for long periods of time and all that. So that brought me back to that, you know, uh, when I used to swim, and uh, and uh, after that, I just got kept going with it. And but it always was a personal practice, and Mm. it it didn't. And of course, I've had several people actually. You should get certified. You should teach. But it was something about the practice that I was doing. I wasn't fully connected to it. I wasn't fully connected to the to the terms that they were using to describe the postures. I wasn't connected to the um the chanting, some of the chant and I wasn't really connected mm-hmm. to the culture that it was always associated with until someone gave me this old school egyptian yoga dvd
0: and okay. it was
1: it was huh. um dr asar Hapi, and that's that's okay that's yeah, your yeah. teacher so somebody gave me it was okay, right. i think it was like a bootleg dvd or something i don't know <laughs> because when it came out was vhs but somebody converted it to a dvd so right <laughs> I, I watched the dvd and i was you know looking at this brother doing somatic yoga doing yoga and wow. doing comedic yoga and i'm seeing yeah. all these egyptian symbols and movements that he's doing i was very fascinated by it and then like you know like most people i got the egyptian yoga book by moita ashby and i started reading that mm-hmm. and it just made me more and more interested and then of course you know i knew about your fear through youtube and through the you know the web and on facebook there wasn't no instagram at the time so um, right,
0: right.
1: You know, so I said, okay, <laughs> I got to find a way to meet this brother, you know. Through the grapevine, I heard that he was doing a workshop in Brooklyn. And mm-hmm. I think it was one of his first workshops in Brooklyn in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I came to the class, man. And I kid you not, we probably did like six postures the whole class yeah. and alternate nostril breathing. But I said this, I said to myself, wow, this is this is what yoga feels like this is it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, and we, we didn't do nothing crazy. We didn't do no inversion. We didn't balance mm-hmm. or nothing. And, wow. but it was just the flow of the class, the energy. And we did all like very traumatic based uh, postures. And I felt it. I, I really like connected to it. And right away I was like, oh, I got to get certified in this, man. I got to teach this
0: yeah um yeah. Huh.
1: and that's when i started like just researching because he wasn't doing certifications in new york so i was like damn where can i go you know i did like comedic yoga third type thing that was here um which was good it was you know it built the foundation for that you know but with your seer it was something more deeper um so when i finally Actually. took went to took the opportunity to get certified by your seer in jamaica it was Ten days and it was very intensive training. I mean you you, you went through it, so you know. Um
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, we you know, we starting at five o'clock in the morning before the sun comes up yes. and then we finish. Yes. Even after the sun goes down, we're still out there meditating.
0: All day. Yeah,
1: all day, and you eat only twice a day <laughs> and it's all right? raw foods and raw food, yeah. <laughs> and I know when I did my training, like it was like boot camp. But it was a spiritual boot camp at the same time. That was the first time I seen my skin glow like that, and my body mm-hmm. just felt so light and open, and really opened me up. And like I was like, okay, I've been missing out for some time now. I've been why nobody has told me about this, you know? But right,
0: <laughs> it took so long to get to yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, so
1: yeah, yeah. Once I did it, it was, definitely it was, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to jump on the train and just start teaching and get out there immediately so like literally a month after I got certified I like hosted my first workshop and Mm -hmm. just been and I've been that was like 2016 and I've just been going hard since then
0: yeah so for folks that well you definitely took me back to Jamaica Mm -hmm. thank you (laughs) because as I'm listening to you I'm like oh my goodness yes that was like a really beautiful powerful 10 days in my life like
1: I miss yeah. it, to be honest. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I miss that boot it camp. Was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It really, really was. Um, but for those listeners that do not know, Yesir Rahotep is the brother based in Chicago, who's the founder of the Comedic Yoga Skills Method. He provides training in Jamaica as well as other locations, and yeah, it definitely is a an immersion, mm-hmm. a complete immersion. Yeah, so I. I Like I said, I I miss that space. It definitely was a beautiful, powerful uh, time. Right by the beach, too, you know? Oh, oh my goodness. Like, right across the street. Yeah. Yeah. Now, comedic yoga is becoming more widespread Mm -hmm. because Master Yassir... Rahul is doing so much oh, yeah. work, just certifying and teaching so many individuals. Yeah. But now, you know, we spoke about comedic yoga. I have thrown that word out there. Mm. Can you define, can you let the people know what is comedic yoga, for those who
1: do not know, is one of the dopest things you could ever do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Period. period. (laughs) Next question. Now, um, um, uh, just, you know, for the folks out there, just to break the word down with the term comedic yoga, comedic comes from the word Kemet, which is the original name of ancient Egypt. So the practice is based on the the movements that we've seen on the hieroglyphs or the the Medunetzer in the in the walls of ancient of ancient Egypt, and the movements have connection to the deities. The deities represent different aspects of nature, but also human nature. So each posture, each sequence has a deep connections to us in many ways. We focus on geometric progression, which is alignment alignment is part yeah, yeah in essence and alignment is important in the practice because it allows the energy the life force energy to flow through our body through each movement through each sequence that we do and everything is focused on the breath the breath represents mm-hmm. life the breath is guiding that life force energy that flows through the body so everything works as one everything is functioning together you know as you move and as you flow through the practice so and the pace of the comedic yoga practice is not fast it's very i don't say it's slow i say it's very intentional each twist each fold you do each lengthening each flow each movement everything that you do each inversion that you do is intentional so everything you're in tune with each movement, each step that you take. You learn to really use your breathing. Because the pace that we move in the Kometic Yoga class is similar to the pace that we move in everyday living and, and, and life. It's a mm. flow. It's a nice flow. It's not rapid. It's not fast. We're not looking to get the heart rate up or get a, get a sweat. We're looking to have a connection. That's what the word yoga means. It means, you know, right. it means a connection. It means to yoke. You know in the sanskrit word and you know the ancient egyptians believed in the concept of connection as well in many places the term sima taiwi or Sumai taiwi is mm-hmm. with some folks that is the ancient egyptian version of, of the word yoga you know and that meant the right. unification right. of two lands upper and lower egypt but they also connected to the physical aspect of ourselves as well as the spiritual aspect of ourselves coming together. Sequence, each flow that we do is all about creating a connection or a reconnection with a divine self as well as our physical self.
0: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, and then in terms of specifically associated with comedic yoga, Mm -hmm. um, the geometric progression Mm -hmm. um, goes in line with the breath, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, specifically the rule of four. Mm breathing. Yeah. yeah, which guides the movement mm-hmm. and alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that's wonderful. I love how you describe the divine mm-hmm. spiritual connection with the physical. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Um so some of what you said um just made me think back to what you mentioned earlier in terms of a holistic approach mm-hmm. to wellness. Um, And breath always being an element Mm -hmm. within your training and coaching, bringing comedic Yoga into your practice and training, has it changed your perspective or did it just kind of enhance what you already knew was there? How you serve, how you train, how you coach. Oh, yeah. Um, how, yeah, how it affects your life. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're gonna touch on that as yeah, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the, the spiritual mm-hmm. element, but in terms of how it informs your instruction um when you're not teaching comedic yoga specifically mm-hmm. how has it influenced other areas of your business oh it's it's
1: uh, affected it on a on a major level one thing with me it is that, like what i've learned as a yoga teacher yoga instructor a yoga practitioner is that when you're when you're teaching with folks, you're sharing with them. So there has to be a connection. You know, there has to be mm-hmm. an understanding of each other and where we're coming from. I've utilized that in my personal training, personal fitness practice. I don't come off as the drill sergeant trainer. And one, I don't have a very loud voice. You know, I was told I have a very like calming voice and I was like, well, I don't do that intentionally. But um, for me, it's the reason why it's important for me to connect with the client and to understand them and they, them to understand me is I have to you know I want them to psychologically be motivated to do to get into the workout and to make those changes the same mm-hmm. with my yoga practice I want them to mentally as well as spiritually understand the practice and not just see it as like me getting flexible to me mm-hmm. becoming more open not just physically but like mentally emotionally spiritually i bring that to my fitness practice because yoga is not yoga is is far more than just movement in the body it's a lifestyle it's how you think it's how you see things it's how you eat it's how you breathe it ties into all that with comedic yoga it brings us back to the lifestyle of a yoga practice and my first teacher Mm. ever she really talk, she talked about it a lot I never could have quite understood what she was saying in terms of a yogi lifestyle I was like so what I gotta do downward dog all the time I don't know that don't make sense you know <laughs> where you know but once <laughs> yeah. I, as i got older and i started to understand now what it means to live a yogi lifestyle i was like oh you know i gotta apply this to all aspects of of my life not just in my professional life but in my personal life as well yeah you know if you don't if you gonna call yourself a practitioner that means you practicing that 24 7 all day every day and it's not just when you're in a studio or when you're on a mat because yoga happens more off the mat than it does on the mat.
0: Mm, truly, yeah. How do you apply the principles outside of a classroom? Definitely, yeah. yeah.
1: Why is important that melanated people and black people practice yoga and don't see it as them appropriating a culture? Because you, you know you, you can't appropriate a culture that has always been a part of your culture you know it's like how are you appropriating your right. own culture so yeah so yeah. yeah we're not taking it from anybody because the first practitioners who were practicing in the land of india were folks from africa you know they were right. kishites who migrated you know through the middle east or across the red sea into the uh to india you know they were they were black folks mm-hmm. who we were practicing yoga mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. there's no text in ancient india that ever said that this is where yoga started this is the year that it started. new no text anywhere it was actually it was the westerners who were making the claims that it came from india and it, these are the people who started yeah. you know no no elder has ever said that you know
0: i'm not mistaken i think the documentation took place in terms of india um, was when, like, the British mm-hmm. came in with the gymnastics mm-hmm. aspects mm-hmm. that evolved into what we currently yeah. see uh, um, as yoga mm-hmm. that stems from yeah. India. But yeah, the culture and the practice dates back. Mm-hmm. So it's about claiming, like you're saying, claiming the yeah. land, claim yeah. the culture and the yeah. practice, spirituality investing as well. Investing in it,
1: investing yeah. in it with time, investing in it with representation, you know, Mm. for me, it's important that not just as a, as a black person, but as a black man that I'm out here Mm. teaching and, I only teach comedic yoga in class. Like, I might dabble in mm-hmm. other styles, doing private stuff. In terms of classes, I only teach comedic yoga because, you know, folks mm-hmm. are like, well, can you do a vinyasa? I'm like, man, you can, it's like McDonald's. You can get that on any corner. Like You can yeah. get that somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. No, okay. I want to, like, you know, mm. give something to the people that they're not getting a whole lot of it right now. And then with me doing that, you know, I want to encourage more people to get certified in comedic Yoga. Mm. And not just get certified, I want folks to teach it. You know, because the more teachers are teaching comedic Yoga, the more awareness of the practice and the more opportunities Mm. for people to start business and to build businesses with each other. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole big picture out here than just, you know, because I'm not trying to be the, you know, the only dude out here. To, that's not my intention. I'm not trying to be the, you know, the go-to guy or thing. I do want to, you know, step forward and make sure that the younger generation of the comedic yoga practice is 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 showing up motivating their fellow peers to do you know to stay on this their stuff and continue to practice and continue to teach
0: to be honest this conversation definitely is re-energizing my own practice and my own my own teaching of comedic yoga speaking with you today definitely has uh, reignited the reason behind why I teach and kind of put a little fire under me to make sure I get back into teaching and offering comedic yoga and meditation classes for the population of people that I serve and have served. In terms of your classes, do you only offer classes to men or that's like your specific workshop? Here's this offering for men. Yeah. Um, How are you managing? That's only uh,
1: Mm -hmm. a a special workshop. Yeah. My weekly classes are co-ed.
0: I really like though that uh, you're offering comedic yoga and meditation classes for mm-hmm. men because men tend to kind of shy stay out of the yeah. door. Yeah, definitely shy away. I mean, you're a man, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a man coming to a class led by a man is probably more welcoming to some in some yeah, ways
1: because all you um, guys are intimidated yeah. by the practice mm-hmm. because you know again the West really made it seem like it's a in practice and also they associated mm-hmm. femininity with just the woman. Where it's right, like,
0: right, right.
1: from a indigenous African perspective, masculinity, femininity wasn't necessarily associated with gender. It was gender. more so mm-hmm. about energy and what we embody. Maat is is depicted as a woman, but it was, you know, mm-hmm. men always were about restoring Maat and living and walking in the path of Maat, of balance in mm-hmm. harmony so a lot of men out here they get intimidated by the practice because they see a lot of women in the classes and they feel like they gotta show up and look better or be able to do the things mm-hmm. that the women can do which is a totally not the case when it comes to yoga and for men it's right. always like if they see another dude doing it They'll do it. You know, yeah. they're like, hey man, you go yeah. do it? Alright, cool, I'll do it with you. We both look crazy right, doing right. It. you know, that's how they that's how they <laughs> think about it. So yeah. it, it's important yeah. for me to make sure that I make myself available to other men to do classes. And that's why I would offer comedic yoga for men and comedic meditation for men. But I encourage mm-hmm. men not just to come to my men's only workshops, they just come like classes, period. Definitely. Oh, definitely. So
0: it's, it's, yeah, um, yeah.
1: it's important. But I do stuff, of course, outside of the, uh, you know, I'll like work with other folks outside of the, uh, the workshops in the studios and try to do a lot more stuff too with the community because mm-hmm. young people, when they see, they're used to seeing black women always doing amazing things. You know, black women always being there and taking care of the community, I think is important, just as important to, for them to see a black man, particularly a young black man who's not not much older than them, coming out there mm-hmm. and being being there for them and supporting them, especially on a um, on a wellness level. and on a Yeah, definitely.
0: Level. We're actually going to continue that conversation on spirituality and how important it is for melanated people to have an African based spirituality in part two of this interview. In that second part, we are also going to talk about your travels to Egypt with Master Yesir Rahotep and how that experience impacted your life. All right, brother, well, dua, dua. Yeah, give dua. thanks and praise. Uh, yes. Indeed, yes, yes sir. Yeah. Do I, yeah. enter? I appreciate your time your energy where can people find you if they want to you know get up with you in your classes
1: right. you can get in contact with me at info at brownstone wellness nyc.com you okay. could also contact me uh instagram at brownstone wellness twitter is b s stone wellness my class schedule is on my website at brownstonewellnessnyc.com and right now i'm only in nyc i'm only teaching classes at q house which is located on fulton between classen and franklin avenue i'm there every monday Mm -hmm. monday evening and wednesday lunchtime and i teach meditation and comedic meditation and comedic yoga there as well.
0: So, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, I'm out here. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I will make note of all of those Mm -hmm. links um, down in the notes to Mm -hmm. this show. Give thanks once again. And I will talk to you soon. For everybody listening, if you have any questions or you want to drop a line, let us know. What resonated with you, what empowered you, Uh, any takeaways, drop me a message at anchor.fm slash fruits of life and tell a friend to tell a friend and spread the word because we must be heard. Our stories are valuable. They're vital and um, they overall build us individually as well as communally, collectively. All right. So um, till I see you till I speak to you next time. Time, um get in tune with your divine self connect with that divine self take time take your breath be in your breath and be in peace love and gratitude peace